uh, hopefully your discussion time went well. I have to tell you, Mary dropped like a great quote, and I'm, I hope you're okay with me quoting you here, Mary, but she said something to the effect of, I need to be reminded that I am part of my kids' stories, but I'm not their story. I was like, wow. Write that one down. Because <laughs> that's so true. And that's, that's the benefit and the joys of studying together in community, where you can read the same passage and you can study it and you both have the same Holy Spirit in you, but you can come together and start talking about it and go, wow, that application was so good and I needed to hear that tonight. So thank you, Mary, for that encouragement. Um, let's just open tonight in prayer and we'll dig in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these women that are here tonight. Um, thank you for just studying in community together. God, I pray that we would learn from you, learn from your word, that my words would be clear and that you would speak through me. Let nothing uh, that I say get in the way, but only the truth that is from your word come out. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week we're in Philippians 3, and before we dive in, I want to hear, just, just shout out, I want to hear three things that have stuck with you from this study so far. So three people, what's been like influential, what's God teaching you through this study? Just shout them out. I'll just stare until I hear from three people. So, hmm. yeah. Yes. One more. Oh, yeah, that's good. From the Find someone worth imitating. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, the examples that Paul uses. So tonight, we're going to start off with another picture. And I hate doing this because I like to change things up, but it just fits so well. So here's a picture. Does anyone know who's in this picture? Yes, OK. Who's the guy on the left? Does anyone remember the guy on the left? Bill. Okay. Who's the guy on the far right? Okay. Those are two salt guys. They've since moved away. Who's that in the middle? Reed Smith. TC to everyone else. If you're not familiar, which if you don't know this, shame on you. If you live in Cedar Falls and you don't know, this is the mascot for the Panthers. His name is TC, the cat, which I think you need to be more creative than that. But anyways, so a few months ago, <laughs> someone's just getting it. <laughs> I won't call you out. Come on, you went to school there. <laughs> so a few months ago, 
Reed and Casey were over at our house. And they've since moved away, but Reed Smith worked um, here at Candeo for several years on the salt staff. And he was also a part of the salt company before that. But he was over at our house talking, and you know Reed, he's just this goofy guy. He made some joke about being the mascot. And I was like, wait, hold up. You were TC. I was just blown away. So, of course, anyone who tells you some fun fact, I'm like, I have so many questions for you. We had just been to a basketball game. Judah had just met, met TC. So many questions. So he goes on to tell me a lot of information, which I won't share all of it with you guys. But did you know that if you're TC, you get into every game free, you have a special door that you get to go in, you have a special pass. You basically can go anywhere and do anything when you're in that suit. It's like free roam to do anything, get anything that you want and give it away. Like whatever you want, you can have full access. Special privileges. He even said that he had a personal driver take him to Des Moines one time in his TC uniform. I, I'm like, I, this is a whole new world, I didn't know. And fun fact, if you are TC, you can't tell anyone but your roommates or your girlfriends. So I'm like, how many times did you have to like sneak out of salt company? Like, gotta go, homework, and like change into your like mascot. I, I was just like, I'm blown away. How did you keep that from all of your friends? And he said multiple times he ran into his friends and they didn't know it was him, which that's funny. So the big reveal apparently is graduation. You get to wear the TC feet to reveal that you were a mascot. So fun facts, but you're probably thinking, okay, how does this relate to Philippians 3? Well, tonight we're going to talk about righteousness in Christ, which is justification, and sanctification, being made like Christ. So the first, like, verses 1 through 11 are about justification, being righteous in Christ. And verses 12 through 21 are putting that into an active role, playing it out in sanctification, and being made like Christ. So I'll explain a little bit more why the mascot story, but keep that in your mind. And we're going to start off in verse 1. And Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Paul's writing this from prison. We can't get that out of our head, that he is writing this from not a place of comfort or ease, but he's encouraging his friends to rejoice. And not only rejoice, it's one thing to say, be happy or rejoice, but he's saying rejoice in the Lord. He's giving them their thing that they need to rejoice in, not rejoice in your comforts or your job or your standing in the community, but rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on and says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutil mutilate the flesh. And 
just pausing right here, this is a good reminder as we see an example of how to talk to friends, how to talk to sisters in Christ. When we're encouraging our sisters in Christ, we need to take it upon ourselves to love them enough to point out dangers in their life. Paul is loving his partners in the ministry, partners in the gospel, and saying, look out. And if you have a friend that loves you enough to stop you and take you aside and say, hey, I've seen this in your life. Look out. Watch out. Or, hey, I see this in your family. I love you enough to tell you this. And to remind them of what is true, because he starts off by saying, rejoice in the Lord. And then goes on to say, look out. So that's just a kind of a side, but I was encouraged by that to think, okay, how can I love the sisters in my life well? But if I see something, I need to say something because I love them enough to tell them what's true. So he goes on and he's going to give us another example. And just like Danielle said, we've seen in the book of Philippians different examples or people to imitate or be like. So we saw Timothy and we saw Epaphroditus. And then Christina led us last week in explaining just in a great way the perfect example of Christ. And now Paul's going to give us another example, but he's going to give us an example in himself. But before he does that, he's going to say, don't be like this, be like this. And later on in the chapter, in verse, let me see here. I just read this today, so it's not in my notes, so forgive me here. Um, let those of us who are mature, this is verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if at anything you think otherwise, God reveals that to you. Only let us hold on to what is true. If you're mature, imitate these people. Imitate what you have seen as perfect examples before you. So look to people who are, have gone before you. This is a great way to like learn from people, even by reading biographies. There's a free download I would highly recommend. It's on Desiring God. It's by Noel Piper called Faithful Women and Their Extraordinary God. You can download it for free. It's five women of the faith that have gone before us. And it's a great example of how we can imitate others in their walk for the faith. But he starts off with this example of what not to do. And he says, look out for the dogs, the evildoers, and the mutilators of the flesh. What is he talking about? <laughs> I don't generally call someone a dog, but he's using very, like, forceful language in that time. And he's saying, look out for the Judaizers. These were men who were telling everyone in the culture, whether Jew or Gentile, that they needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. So they were men who were saying, it doesn't matter whether you've grown up in the Jewish faith. If you want to be a believer, if you want to be a follower of Christ, you need to be circumcised. And Paul is saying, look out, because that is not the gospel. But he says, 
for we are the circumcision. So he's saying, don't look to the Judaizers who are saying, get circumcised. He's saying, we're the circumcision. And that's his way of saying, we are the true believers. But what is the we isn't just the Jews, because he's writing this to remember when we talked about Acts 16, many of the believers in Philippians and Philippi were Gentiles. So he's saying, we are the true circumcision, and he explains what he means, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We could spend a whole evening just fleshing this out, but let me read that again because it is important. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, do we worship by the Spirit of God? Do we glory in Christ Jesus and find no confidence in the flesh? And the rest of the time, he's going to spend explaining confidence in the flesh. Because if anyone was able to say, yeah, I've got a pretty good record, it would be Paul. And he goes on to explain why, if anyone could have confidence in the flesh in his works, if he could boast in his works, he could, and he says, look at my credentials. So it says in verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, so he's followed the rituals of the Jewish faith. He was circumcised on the eighth day, He's of the people of Israel. These are the chosen people of God. Of the tribe of Benjamin, which that's like a, a prized small tribe of Israel that the first king came from, which is King Saul, which I go, oh wait, maybe he was named after King Saul. I don't know. It, that one came together just this time. I was like, wait, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Isn't that interesting? We don't know, but we can speculate. Um, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. I didn't know what this meant. I was trying to put it into nowadays, like American of Americans. I don't know. So back then, if someone were to say I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, it's saying I have held to the ancient ways of the Hebrews. I still speak the language that we were brought up with. I haven't been Romanized, if that makes sense. So he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And as to the law of Pharisee, a Pharisee is someone who is a, a part of a strict sect of the Jewish faith that they kept the law and the traditions to a T and they taught them. And in Acts 22, Paul even goes further and says he was taught by Gamaliel which is like saying, I was taught by the best Pharisee there is. So he's got all these credentials, and he ends it with, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Remember, Paul wasn't a disciple. Paul was a persecutor of the church, and then God came in 
and God revealed himself and opened Paul's eyes and saved him. And then Paul turned his ways, literally was on his way to persecute the church and turned and came together with the body of Christ. So here's all of his credentials. What would this look like nowadays if someone were to get up here and say, okay, if anyone can boast in their flesh, what would this look like? Maybe they would say something like this. I was brought up in the church. I was there every time the doors were open. In fact, I was born on a Friday and my parents brought me to church on a Sunday. My dad and grandpa were both pastors. I won the Awana Timothy Award. I was never sent to the principal, always chosen for those character type awards. I never did drugs, slept with my boyfriends. I married a virgin. I have a great marriage. I follow all the commandments. And I'm chosen as a leader in every area that I volunteer in. That would be something like today. But what if this person stood up and said that and then said, but whatever gain I had, I counted it as a loss for the sake of Christ. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying, look at my credentials. I could boast in these things, but it's all a loss. Because he says, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul knew that his salvation wasn't in his works or his good deeds, but it was in Christ himself. He knew that no matter what he did, however good he was, he was never enough. Because next to a holy and righteous God, no matter how good we are, we're still blemished. So remember Reed in the mascot suit. Another fun fact that he told me was that every game that he was in the TC costume, at halftime, someone would trade him spots because apparently the is just way too hot. You can't make it through a whole game. <clears throat> so imagine if Reed did the first half of the basketball game and halfway through he comes into the locker room or whatever, switches place with the captain of the team, the best basketball player, and he comes out there on the court. Do you think that TC is going to get any more applause? No, because it's still TC. Or are people going to come running up to TC and say, I need your autograph, I want your autograph, can I have it? No, because it's still TC. No matter who's in that costume or who's in that mascot suit, they still get the same privileges, full access. It doesn't matter if it's like a normal dude like Reed or the lowest of the low, or the captain of the team. You all get full access, the same treatment. And this week in our study, we went through the first three chapters, and we circled 
the phrase in Christ or in the Lord. And that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. The fact that we are in Christ. Let's look at verse 9. So Paul is saying, all of these things are a loss, they're rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Our righteousness doesn't come from our good works or things that we can boast in, but it comes through Christ, being found in Christ. So just like the two people in the mascot uniform, if I could pull up two women up here on the stage, one with just a crazy colorful background, rebellious past, and another who seems by most on the outside to be a pretty goody two-shoes girl. When they are in Christ, if they are made new by Christ, they put on Christ, they are both seen as righteous before God and get the same privileges as anyone else because they're children of God. Because the fact is, no matter how good we think we are, we are worse than we could ever fathom. Our sin is deeper and darker than we could ever fathom. Steve Timmis said, no one can say anything worse about us than what the gospel has already saved us from. Just let that sink in. Especially in this day and age where people can just throw words around. No one can say anything worse about us than what the gospel has saved us from. We are sinful in need of a savior. Last semester, some of us studied Genesis. Raise of hands who studied Genesis last semester. Okay. So you might remember this story. If you don't remember it, I'll do a quick recap. I was listening to the Knowing Faith podcast, which is a great podcast, by the way. And Sam Alberry was on the podcast, and he shared this. And it really helped me understand what it means to be in Christ. So in Genesis 27, if you want to turn there, I'm going to give a quick recap of this. Isaac is married to Rebecca, and Isaac is old in age. And he's no longer able to see very well, and he's on what we would call his deathbed. He knows that he's dying, and he tells Esau, he says, Esau, his oldest son. Esau is the older son who's a hairy hunter, I would call him. He says, Esau, go hunt some game. Bring it back to me so that I can bless you. Cook it up the way I like it, and I'll bless you. Rebecca overhears this, and she tells her other son, Jacob, who is more of a soft, homely boy. She says, this is what I heard. Here, come. I have some of Esau's clothes. So 
says in verse 15 of 27, Then Rebekah took the best garment of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And then they covered him in goatskins that he would feel hairy. And Jacob went to his father. And Jacob presented himself as Esau and received the blessing and inheritance in Esau's place. This is what it is like for us to be in Christ. We are clothed in not our own clothing. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we receive the blessings that Christ received as God's son. I just think that is just such the imagery that comes with that to me is so helpful to remind myself that I am putting on Christ. I am putting on his good, righteous works and his death on the cross, his payment. I'm putting it on and I can boldly come to the throne of grace and confidence because I'm a child of God. I'm in Christ. So Paul understood that his credentials didn't match up to the perfection of Jesus. And he even said this in 1 Timothy 1.15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. When we understand, like Paul, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that once we are in Christ, nothing can take us away we will finally understand what it means to be in Christ and be found in him and his righteousness. So if nothing can separate us, we're in Christ, should we just go on living life like smooth sailing from here, I can do whatever I want? No, that's why Paul says in verse 12, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. This is where justification, being righteous in Christ, meets sanctification. And something I learned this week, for a long time I've separated those two, like first justification, I'm saved, and then sanctification. But they go together, they work hand in hand, because if we are in Christ, we are now little Christ walking all over earth, and we should represent him well. Because the fact is, Reed could go anywhere and do anything in that TC outfit uniform, but he had a code of conduct that he had to follow because he was wearing the name of you and I. And you and I said, you're going to be an ambassador for us no matter where you go, even if it's Des Moines to a special conference, you're going to take the name of you and I and you're going to represent us well. So when we put on Christ, we take him out into the world and we need to be little Christ. We need to represent him well. And that's where sanctification comes in because we are made more and more and more like him and we grow into our skin. We grow into what it looks like to be made like Christ. So we press on to be made more like Jesus. This is an active role. This isn't passive. When you think of someone pressing on, it's not just like, okay, make me more like you. You have to do something. It's an active role, and the active role is to look ahead at the prize set before you. 
Forget what's behind you, straining towards what's ahead. Look ahead to the price set before you. And if you think about prizes, it gives you some energy to do something. And really quick, I want to give a shout out to the young gals here because I'm super encouraged by you guys coming and studying. And I heard that there's a prize. Is this true? That Candeo youth gets whoever gets the most in their connection group to do the Philippian study, whether online or here, what do you get? Pizza party? Woohoo! That's awesome. So you had in your mind that you have a prize, you have a goal. And I love it. I love that you're here. And way to go. Like, keep going. You are an encouragement to me. So your prize was the pizza party. Your goal is, okay, I want to win this prize. Our prize is Christ, and our reward is him, and he is in heaven. And that's why the end of this passage ends the way it does. I wish I had time to expound on what it means to be glorified in him, be made glorious, but it's a whole nother thing. If you are interested in that, there's a great Knowing Faith podcast on being glorified. There's also a couple equipping classes, but let's finish here with our citizenship in heaven, our prizes in heaven. So when we are citizens of another place, we're no longer, like Paul said, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. But he is no longer a citizen here on earth. His citizenship is in heaven. His prize is in heaven. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. So therefore, he can press on and run the race with his eyes fixed on Jesus, being made more like him. So I think tonight we could fall into two ditches. There's two ditches that we might put ourselves in when it comes to being senior righteousness and being made like him. One would be putting our confidence too much in our flesh. So putting our confidence in good works, our looks, our accomplishments, um, how we lead, um, our, even our good parenting, our good marriages, the list could go on and on. We look to, okay, here's our accomplishments accomplishments or we could be on the other side and be crippled by fear still looking at our works we're still looking at flesh but some of us could look to ourselves and say I could never be like Jesus you don't know my past you don't know my sin you don't know the sin I'm still dealing with today that no one will ever know Someone who has slept around, someone who's had an abortion, someone who has done it all could never be like Jesus. And if that is you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because you're in Christ, and Christ has already done it. He's done it all. He's paid the price. He has lived a perfect life. 
So no matter if you are looking to your good works or you are distracted by your past and crippled by fear, the fact is we both need Jesus. We both need to be found in him knowing that he is our savior. We're never so bad that Christ can't save us and we're never so good that we don't need salvation. Jesus has saved us from our goodness and our badness. So tonight, as we wrap up in our groups, I would love for you to discuss what ditch do you fall in? Do you fall in finding your confidence in the works of the flesh rather than looking to Christ? Or are you crippled by fear of who maybe you were or the things that you're struggling with and need encouragement to look to Jesus as our perfection. And then how are we going to press on this week to remind ourselves of the truth and be made more like Jesus? So once you discuss in your group, when you're all done, you can close in prayer. Pray for one another that we would help each other press on to be more like Jesus, and then you can go whenever you're finished. And I'll pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we are found in you, that our righteousness is not our own, but it's in you, God. Thank you for these women. I pray that we would be changed tonight only by the work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.